Tonight's episode of the 31st Lap Podcast is brought to you by DirtTrackDigest.com. If it's on dirt, it's on Dirt Track Digest. This is the 31st Lap Podcast, recorded live in the studios of FingerLakes1.com in downtown Seneca Falls, New York. And now, your host, Chris Markwart. Good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to episode number 244 of the 31st Lab Podcast. Excited to have you all along for the ride here as we move through the fall and head towards the end of the 2018 racing season. Jeez, it feels like we just got started with it. we got a ton of stuff to get to. Uh, there's racing action, getting ready to take flight down in Charlotte this weekend and next weekend. We'll hit a little bit on what we're looking at in terms of the world finals that are coming up on the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of November for the Dirt Car Modifieds, the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, late models that are all wrapping up their season down there. Non-points racing happening this weekend, and the World Short Track Championships down there at Charlotte. Our uh, Northeast Sportsman competitors are going to be down there trying to steal the ring. Uh, Dave Marcacelli won that race last year. We'll get into that. Eastern States weekend. We've got some stuff about Utica Rome coming up. We've also got some stuff from Outlaw Speedway to recap here from last weekend. Uh, they, they ran on top of Eastern States weekend. And in addition to Eastern States weekend, there was racing, I think, in Delaware and um, in Pennsylvania as well. So really a lot of options for modified racers spread it all over the place. Uh, we had re- action at Outlaw on Friday night. The modifieds didn't get their show in on Saturday. That's been moved to... Uh, the 10th of November. So we'll dive into all that. Uh, before we get to all that stuff, though, we've got a, a guest coming on the air who it, it was a unique way that we came across one another, but I'm, I'm still thinking that's going to be a, a fun interview, racing everything under the sun. Uh, the only thing is, that, uh, as Paul Krynak described it, was he hasn't raced submarines or helicopters, but everything else that's happened, uh, drag cars, tractor pulls, demolition derby entries, uh, stock cars, dirt cars, now moving into asphalt cars. And it was that we stumbled across a picture of this year's asphalt car, and it was painted up like Richard Petty's car. And, and I'm a big mark for Richard Petty. It turns out Paul and, and his family are as well. So without any further delay, the, the one and only Paul the III joining us from his shop down in Pennsylvania. Paul, how are you? Welcome to the show. Uh, good. How are you doing? Uh, thank you for having me on this evening. For sure, man. I, I I want first to know, first and foremost, the background of that car. That was such a good looking race car, and and everybody's you know it's pretty iconic, really, when you think about the history of Richard Petty. Um, yeah, and I agree with that as well. Uh, yeah, we're we're long time uh, racing and Petty fans, and uh, yeah, we just thought um, you know with being a Pontiac Grand Prix, um, you know, and Richard running those through the eighties and. Uh, we just, uh, you know, that paint scheme, like I said, again, iconic. And the red, white, and blue, you just can't beat those colors under the, uh, you know, the, the Saturday night lights of the racetrack. Sure. And, um, you know, it, it was kind of a tribute to my father as well, who uh, always ran that paint scheme when I was when I was young. Um, and then he actually allowed me to take that paint scheme over, inherit the 43 number, and he moved on to number 45. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, in light, of, in light of Adam Petty. Sure. <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, it was kind of a tribute to him this season. That was formerly his car. And, uh, like I said, we took it off the dirt and moved it to asphalt, but, uh, that was kind of the tribute, not only to my dad, um, you know, but the Petty family racing as well. The, the season this year was supposed to be the last season that you're racing and what a season it's been. 
with all the wins and the accolades and everything, how great has the 2018 season been to you? Uh, I'll tell you, it, it's been, been it's been one of the best for us. It's it, like I said, I've described it. Um, and it's not even over yet. We have an event <laughs> this weekend, um, but uh, you know, it's been a Cinderella season. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're able to win a number of, of demolition derbies, and uh, like I said, we did well on the asphalt and bring home some dirt track, you know, wins, and uh, you know, across different divisions um, and different venues. Um, so, you know, it's just been great for us. And, you know, I can't thank everybody enough for the, the help they provide and the community support around here as well. I mean, it's, it's just been fantastic. The, the car that you run on the dirt is not the same car that you're running on the asphalt, right? It's a different, different entry altogether? That's correct. That's two separate vehicles. And we've got a picture of it. This is the win from at the end of the year at Lernerville. That, uh, that ended up being a, a pretty important win for you guys as a whole coming up with a win there at their um this was at the silver cup right that's correct that was their still city stampede um and that particular day that 100 lap endurance race um capped off their their 13 feature event um that was a 13 and a half hour day for us that particular day wow um and to uh, and to hold on to it and then uh you know come out at the end with the win um, not only it meant a lot to us because that was our, ste- our second Steel City Stampede belt buckle we brought home, um, but there was also another gentleman we were racing against that was going for the Triple Crown and what I believe his first belt buckle. So um, it ended up a great, a great two-car battle um, for about 50 to 60 laps of that race, good clean racing, good hard racing, um, but we were fortunate we were able to come out on top. So let's, let, let's dial it back and, and, and start at the beginning, if we can, um, with, with your dad has 30 years of racing experience under his belt. You've got 27 racing years of racing experience under your belt. You guys go back a long way. Oh yeah. 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 It's, um, um, we, we've come a long way from where we started. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but, uh, you know, there's, there, there's several, you know, several interesting stories we tell around the shop that, uh, people still get a kick out of, but, um, yeah, we've, we've been doing this, uh, you know, and these are all consecutive years. Right. Um, actually, my, my father is sit, turned 60 years old this year, and he built a brand-new garage in his driveway so that he <laughs> could get his race cars in and get cracking on them over the winter. <laughs> so he's going to be racing next year, right? Uh, there's, there's just no, no option there. Yeah, he's going to be, he's going to be racing, and, um, you know, pretty much it comes down to uh, not only is he my favorite racer, Right. Uh, but he's the he's the guy that we have uh, plenty of competition amongst us as well. Sure, there's a good look at uh, the dad's car here, the blue and red, white, and blue colors. The number forty five, and that was I, I assume that might have been taken at against one of the dirt cars. Anyway, that's the can't tell what uh, cars in the background. The it looks like an Avenger or Stratus in the background. Uh, yes, that probably would have been Bedford Speedway. It's a Bedford. Um, with his car on there right so yeah yeah and and, and uh, you know god love him um like i said 60 years old still racing and he hung in there and uh, he actually didn't get his first feature win until he was 52 years old wow and uh he went and he went on to win the championship that same season that's cool so. <laughs> <laughs> it took it was it took a long way to get there but man it wasn't worth it uh so what yeah, did he that's run what it's been our whole career is the uh, perseverance and persistence <laughs> right what did he run when, when he first got into it, I mean, you down there, you're near, you're in the loose vicinity of, of Pittsburgh, New Alex, and stuff like that. So, in that part of the 
state you've got a lot of options for cars there you know just the premier divisions you're looking at late model sprint cars and and dirt modifieds but you've got a lot of options along with that oh yes yes um you know we he actually started out it's kind of come full circle for us really uh his first his first entry for both of us um we were we started out in the enduros Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a place, Hill Valley Speedway. Okay. Now this was a, uh, this was a, I think it's believe it's be- uh, between like an eighth and a quarter mile, uh, circle. It's not even oval. There's no straightaways. Um, kind of old dirt track bull ring racing. Right. And, um, you know, they used, they used to put a hundred, 150 cars out on that speedway and, uh, and battle it out to the end. And, and that's wow. how we, that's how both he and I got started. That's why I started my racing career as well. Sure. <laughs> so so he's racing he doesn't get his first championship until he is the age 52 by that point you've got to be you've got to be in the car as well how what did you start in, uh, in the yeah. enduros as well uh yes i started um started well what had happened is they uh when we would run the enduros down there what they ended up doing was all evolving the enduro cars into mm-hmm. what they called a thunder car division okay um in both the four-cylinder and v8 so it would be like your entry-level hobby division of today sure. and um so uh, we ended up taking those cars and then i ended up starting in the thunder car division and i ran a uh, uh rear-wheel drive chevy chevette of all things <laughs> um <laughs> but uh it, it taught me a lot um I did at, at that particular time. I did a lot more losing than winning. That's for sure. <laughs> I, it's, a, it's a moderately underpowered car, to say the least. Oh yeah. <laughs> so what what did you get into after that? Because you guys have done a lot in a lot of different walks of motorsport. So what happened from there? Um, yes, we went on to um, you know we we stuck with that uh, four cylinder rear wheel drive division through the early part of the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had, I didn't even have a driver's license at, the, at that time yet. Um, I would just get in and race, you know, my dad would get the vehicle to the racetrack and, and, uh, he and I at the time would alternate racing the cars. Um, cause again, we were, you know, we're, we've never been, uh, you know, a big budget team. Right. Um, you know, we don't haul with uh, big stickers and big trailers. So, <laughs> uh, we've always done the best we could with what we had. Um, so we would come out of those cars and then, uh, we got into pure stock division, mm-hmm. uh, the V8 pure stocks and um, raced those through the late 90s, and then uh, I went into the service in the military, and uh, I was stationed at Fort Carson, Colorado, and then I moved on to uh, super stock racing out there, which would be equivalent to like a semi-late back sure. in this area. Yep. Uh, a semi-late of the 90s, um, and right. then we got into that, and then I came back uh, to Pennsylvania, um, and then I was back into uh, four-cylinder front-wheel drive racing, um, in, in, in this local area here, uh, locally at Dog Hollow Speedway, Bedford Speedway, um, on a regular basis. And then, uh, we did that up until, uh, several years ago. And then, um, you know, went on to, uh, run these Enduros and we've been running the Enduros pretty steady ever since 2011. And since we, since they started to make their way back onto the scene. Right. And you, you spent some time, you talked about Dog Hollow bedford and if i remember right you said you were at jennerstown quite a bit as well right yes uh jennerstown jennerstown we made our comeback now i also ran an enduro uh my first experience on asphalt was in the mid 90s right uh and that was an enduro race there fourth of july race and mm-hmm. then uh this season was my uh you know first two races back we raced the two enduro races with that pontiac that you seen the 43 mm-hmm. car uh that was that was new for me this year 
Uh, how do you make the transition in an enduro car from dirt to asphalt? Uh, there's not a lot that you can do to the cars to begin with. So do you just go show up at the track and drive the car or is there some science to it? There's some geometry that you got to worry about in terms of what, what you're doing with the, the car suspension wise. Is there issues in terms of your tire choice? What, what do you do to make that transition from one surface to the other? Well, and you are correct. Um, they do they do limit it limit us in what modifications we can make, and we are racing on street tires as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, the biggest part of it. Uh, well, I'm still learning it to be honest with right. you. <laughs> That's the challenge of it. We're still working it out. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of front end geometry. Um, the the toughest part that I w- that, that I uh, was had to focus on was the style of driving. Um, you know, a lot of it can be done in the seat. Uh, because we progressed a lot from the, even the first to second race. Um, and, uh, again, setting up the front-end geometry, you know, trying tire wear, heating the brakes. Um, there's a lot of things we're factoring in, um, you know, a lot of small things, but they mean a lot in your overall finish on the race. Sure. So, uh, again, we're still working a lot of that out trying to figure out the asphalt, uh, but it was certainly a night-and-day uh, transition from the dirt, that's for sure. Do you miss the dirt? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I, I, I enjoy the challenge of the asphalt, but right. dirt is my first love. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is having been in the four cylinder since 11, you know, time can fly so fast. It, it probably doesn't even feel like it's been seven years, but at the same time, having been around the, the semi stocks or super stocks or pure stocks and, and some of the stuff out there in, in Colorado, do you miss any of that, or, or have you got enough of the taste of the expense of driving those bigger cars that this, this Enduro stuff fits pretty well? Um, well, and like I said, again, um, how we mentioned earlier, uh, this was actually supposed to be my, my winding down season. <laughs> right. uh, this was actually supposed to be my retirement year. But, um, yeah, like I said, it, uh, you know, it, it 27 years, 27 consecutive years in this, um, obviously everyone knows the expense of racing is very difficult to mm-hmm. you know, keep up with. Um, so, you know, I'm always fortunate. Uh, I feel, I always feel fortunate just to still be part of it after this, um, you know, length of time, uh, you know, take all the wins. And like you said, the accolades aside, I mean, just the, uh, you know, being proud of a 27 year career on top of that already is just, you know, I'm proud of that fact as well. Um, but as far as right now, getting back into anything expensive, um, truthfully, I can't disclose anything for next season. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, um, but we got, we got some things in the works, um, yeah. how far we're going to go with it yet. I'm not sure. Sure. I, do, do you miss it? I mean, with, with you, with the amount of time that you spent in these cars and the amount of time that you spent racing these cars with your dad, I, I, I feel like I have to ask the question, but I kind of already know what the answer is. You know, what's, what's the favorite division for you to run? Um, well, I, I'll be honest with you. Um, out of everything we've done, I, I I'm, I'm by heart a pure stock racer. Oh yeah. Um, I love I love the I love the late '90s, early 2000s pure stock. Okay. Um, I thought that was a wonderful division. Um, that's where my heart is. Mm-hmm. But but as far as enjoyable to race, I mean these Enduro cars are just they're just too cool. Right. <laughs> it's just so 
much fun, you know? Well, it would seem that there's a lot more pressure that comes with that. Your heart can be with the, with the pure stocks as much as you want it to be, but for one, your wallet might not want to agree with your heart. And then on top of that, if you're already investing a lot of time with the Enduro car, your time is going to up, go up exponentially when you get into some of those bigger divisions. You know, we, we saw those up here in the Finger Lakes part of New York where uh, they had the novice and then the street and then the pro stocks at some of our local tracks and and they would have the same car running in all three divisions but then as things evolved you couldn't run the pro class car in the novice because they were doing too many things that 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 made the car not fit so then we had the advent of the pro stock class which was under the dirt motorsports banner uh way back then and it still exists now jocelyn roy just finished the championship season here in 2018 and in the same division but not nearly as many tracks run that and then that car itself got sort of uh, I guess maybe manipulated is the way to say it, where the tracks that had an existing pro stock class didn't want to adjust and fit to what the pro stock unified rules were. So you had tracks that were making a rule package that sort of locked the cars into only running at one place. The, the one that really comes to mind is the pro stocks that ran, or excuse me, the super stocks that ran at um, outlaw raceway you know some of those cars were still on split rims back in the early 2000s and and they had the big cladding on the side you know the big bars and stuff like that and it just didn't look the same as what the pro stocks were and and, and they evolved in a very different trajectory even though they came from that same route and and one of the the biggest issues that they had with that class would and, and ultimately led to the to the death of the class and everybody can nostalgically look back now and say that they missed those cars it was the expense that was tied to it and they were ultimately replaced by a crate late model division. Gary Montgomery had a touring BRP Can-Am late model series, and it was uh, crate engines. And uh, I think they ran the 602s, possibly the 604 crate engines, and and that sort of infiltrating a little bit more. And now we've got a number of tracks up here, Fulton Speedway, Outlaw, just to name two that pop right off the top of my head. They have a crate late model division. That's pretty healthy. Uh, but that, that, that again, the, the, the extreme cost that came with those is really what drove it out. And, and now we've seen the, the, the constant reset, especially at the dirt tracks, where everything grows and grows and grows and evolves. And it's like, well, this is crazy. This is too expensive. Let's go back to the beginning. And then we see the hobby stock division come back. And, and now we've seen a, a very pure stock hobby stock division at Outlaw running in conjunction with their street stocks, running in conjunction with um, running on the same night, I should say, not in conjunction, running on the same night as their street stocks on the same night as their crate late models. So you can see in a given night the progression and the ladder that you might climb up, but they are still very, very different divisions. Correct. Right. Right. And uh, and that, that's that's the same thing. And I, and I agree with that 100%. Um, and that, that I think that's affected a lot of speedways everywhere because it was kind of the same. It's the same story here at our local races. Right. Um, and it's the exact same thing. Um, and yes, and that, that is another part of it is, is even for us, like I said, we're, we've always been kind of a, you know, a low budget team, um, and making the best of what we have, but yeah, the, the, the expense is certainly a factor in what we do today as well. There's no question. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is not only that, you know, then even dropping down, I mean, we're still having success at it, you know, at, at this stage of the career is just, is just wonderful. Cause you know, I'll be, I'll be the first to tell you that humbled by every win, and uh, you never know if or when the next one is coming. So, right. um, you know, like I said, to stay in it and the longevity. But uh, yeah, that's that's with those bigger classes. It's it, it's tough to uh, it's tough to stay long term in that type of racing. We've got a couple tracks up here in the mid two thousands that had that enduro deal going. Some of them are still doing it, and then it just sort of went away. 
and they now just have a a four cylinder division. Outlaw Speedway, Black Rock Speedway, and Dundee was always a true four cylinder division. Brewerton has had a maybe Fulton has had a four cylinder division for a while. Weedsport Speedway, Arcuga County Fairgrounds in Weedsport uh, back then had an enduro class that would run at the end of the night, but they capped it at 25 laps, 30 laps, something like that. So in terms of it being a true enduro, like what you're describing where it's a hundred laps and there's, there's a, a, a minimum of yellow flags or, or, or more aptly red flags, you know, only when the track gets occluded or there's a fire or a hazard that's, that's going to cause an issue for a driver. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the same pure enduro type racing. Is what we saw before. It was more of a four-cylinder class of of uh, very stock, very very restricted rule book, and very limited in terms of what they could do to, to help keep the price down. And it was it was effective for a little while, but then the later on in the year, you know, people got more uh, more catastrophic failures, or they had issues with their cars, and and got to a point where they ran out of money, or or wanted to do other things because, you know, as uh, to to steal your. Uh, um, discussion of it there's only 120 days in summer and if you spend 110 of them working on a race car it gets long in the tooth after a while oh absolutely absolutely yeah and that and that's been us this season um actually what i've decided to do is we we flip things around this year um for the first time in in all these years uh you know because of being in in pennsylvania um obviously you know winter's longer than summer yes and um (laughs) what we're going to do this year is i put everything else on hold um, and we're just going to continue, like as, as we run our finish off our season this weekend, uh, we're just going to continue right on through the winter um, and try to build everything over the winter to be prepared uh, when, again, when we get those 120 days of summer. Um, you know, we plan on running event almost every weekend next year. So uh, whether it be demolition derby or Doros, and uh, like I said, there's some other things in the works that I can't put out there just yet. All right. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, we're going to do a lot of things over the winter and, uh, and have another full summer. But to try to want to run 16 to 20 weekends, um, you know, and then, and then build the six days in between is just, is just not uh, feasible right now. now so you, we're going to do it over this winter. This year you said you didn't chase points any place. You just, you just went to the shows that you wanted to go to. This weekend's event is coming up. The Venom Van's going to be back out at uh, New Alex. You're going to be running a demolition derby event this weekend. But they're, they're still you know, racing and stuff that's, that's happened in the weeks prior. What did that change in terms of your summer preparation, not having to worry about being at the same track weekly? It, it's got to take the pressure off and let you focus on preparation better almost I, I don't know does does that does that make sense where you're not so focused on making sure that you're there and getting the car ready for that track you can get the car ready for where you're going and you don't have to worry so much about the points mix and and and, and forging out a good finish if you win great if you don't oh well we'll put it back together and we don't have to worry about getting it together for next week uh yeah yeah as far as uh, as far as that aspect of it yes that, that is correct um you know it, it takes the pressure off of being you know say ready to race every Friday or every Saturday night. Um, but what we've done with running, uh, you know, we're simultaneously, simultaneously doing the derbies as well as the racing uh, and um, the preparation for the asphalt, which was brand new to us. Right. There was a lot of times that we were, we were building, we were overlapping cars building. Them. Sure. You know, we would have, you know, two or three demolition derby cars, you know, uh, sitting outside the garage while we had two race cars inside the garage you know, or vice versa. So there was a lot of times that, you know, we ran, you know, one, you know, we would run two events in the same weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so not necessarily the pressure of being there for a point finish or, you know, having, you know, having to go out there and run 
and win the race because it was necessary, um, you know, we could go out and, and run a little more leisurely and, you know, and always, we're always competing for, you know, the, the you know, win, of course. Um, but there was a lot of times the overlap and the build, you know, that's what put us in the garage those 110 days out of the summer because we had, as soon as, as soon as we would unload the trailer and put that vehicle away, we started the next day on the very next build. Right. And that happened all summer long. Have you ever had an enduro car that got hurt in a race that you ended up bringing back to the shop and thinking, well, we can't save this one. Let's just cut it up and make it into a derby car. Uh, well, it was actually that we did have that at Cumberland <laughs> Speedway in one of their Enduro races, and uh, we didn't even have the opportunity to make it a derby car. It looked like it had already been there and back. Yikes. Um, we unfortunately we unfortunately hit a uh, parked car, um, you know, because, again, like you said, you know, it's either it's either green or red flag racing, right. and uh, the broke-down vehicles were on the track, and, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, there was an incident on the middle of the back straightaway. I drove head-on into a parked car. Mm. Uh, the car broke loose out of the turn and i couldn't get it back under control and drove into that car and uh that was actually that was a very big loss for us because that car did very well we won several enduros with that and um (laughs) you know that that car was very there. that car was destined to win many more races and unfortunately that was the final ride have you ever wrecked a car that you thought man i probably should have saved this one for a derby after you got in the process of building it uh, save it for yeah, an enduro. There's been a few I, I wish I had back. <laughs> yeah, save, save it for an enduro. There's been a few I wish I would have went a different direction. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to belabor for for next year because I know that you're you're working on something and we can't get into it. So that's that's fair. I'm not I'm not going that route. Uh, do you plan on spending more time running the asphalt, or are you going to try and transition back to dirt? Um, we're going to run both next year. Yeah. I'm going to try to. See, see, Jennerstown, um, Jennerstown is it's it's a forty five minute haul for us, so it, it's plenty manageable to get to the racetrack. Sure. Um, and it's on a Saturday night where a lot of the events run, you know, either during the week or as far as derbies right. during the week, and then um, you know a lot of the racing at the other tracks are Friday night. Right. Uh, so the schedule is not a concern for us, and um, they do run they do run a uh, enduro the third week of every or the the third excuse me the third week of the five months of summer they do run racing from uh from april to uh september so we're going to try to make all five of those enduros on the asphalt mm-hmm. and um you know see if we can better ourselves from last season or from this season excuse me that's that's going to be cool uh do they do they do any type of points with that they they, they chart your finishes or anything and uh, given that they do specifically five uh, they do. They yeah, do. Uh, they cool. actually have a point. Uh, they have a point set up for the for the season for those five races, um, in which we did not know that when we went down there. Um, again, I haven't. You know, it was a pretty pretty big uh, hiatus from the speedway from you know the mid '90s till we went back here in 2018. Um, but uh, yeah, now that we know a little more about it, we're going to prepare a little differently as well. Sure. But uh, yeah, we're we're going to really focus on um, you know doing something with the points down there. Uh, you know, un- the unfortunate thing with the Pontiac, we're a little bit outgunned compared to some of what the cars that are running down there. Right. Um, but again, that's also part of the learning curve. You know, we didn't know that till we got there. Right. So, um, we've talked a lot about turning left, uh, in, in all different walks of car here, but you've, you said that you've got experience in drag racing and tractor pulling as well. Uh, yeah, we did truck pulls. We did, uh, okay. um, it was, 
I dabbled in all that. Um, you know, that was back when uh, it was plenty younger and a lot more ambition. <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, and as far as the physical ability as well. But um, yeah, we we would do uh, you know county fair, uh, truck pulling, you know, things of that nature. Um, a lot of local stuff. Um, yeah. I, I will as as much as we've been traveling lately. Uh, you know, even say like the Lernerville, that's a two-hour haul for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I still do not want to give up on anything local. You know, that's where it all started, um, and the only way to keep those things going is to participate with it, sure. or, you know, in those events. So, um, but, yeah, we have done, um, you know, did some uh, drag racing in Colorado as well, and, um, uh, again, my, my grew up with, you know, from being a little guy. Um, my dad did a lot of drag racing as well down in Virginia and uh, down at Richmond Speedway. Okay. And, um, you know, as far as the truck pulls as well, uh, you know, we did that at the local county fairs. The the drag racing stuff, what did he have for a car? Uh, 67 GTO. Nice. How about you? What did you have in Colorado? Uh, Duster. 72 Plymouth Duster. Wow. <laughs> I'm a Mopar guy. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Mopar guy by heart. Um, yeah, actually, even that, that Cavalier uh, or that car you've seen at the Lernerville and Doro win. Yeah. Um, we actually we actually put a Dodge Neo on the front end on the front of that Cavalier uh, because I'm just that I'm diehard Mopar man. <laughs> so what what advantage was there in putting the neon front end on the Cavalier? It, it was just just simply because hey well, this seems like a good idea to do it or was there some ideas um, around it sheet metal geometries was there an advantage there? That seems like a, that seems like yeah. a lot of work just to have it just to say that it was a Dodge part Dodge piece. Uh, I got to be honest with you. That's really that's uh, simply the reason was the conversation part of it, the conversation that's, piece. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was no no advantage to it whatsoever. It just uh, it just didn't look like anybody else's car there. So that, you know, we wanted to set it apart as well. Indeed, it didn't. the The number forty five was that a neon as well? Uh yes, yes. Yeah. That's that was a that was a Dodge neon. Um, that was actually that was the car that he won the track championship with. Oh, okay. Was the forty-five car that was uh, probably in the photo you've seen? It was probably a picture of he and I side by side in a four cylinders. Yeah, um, it looked like the yellow. That was his Dodge. The yellow car looked like it was like a Stratus or something. Uh, well, there was a. Um, I'm not sure which picture you've seen, okay. but um, yeah, there was a neon that he was running as well, and, mm-hmm. and that was in 2011. Yeah, uh, and that was kind of when we made our transition, you know, back from the, you know, got out of the four-cylinder weekly thing. After he won his championship, um, we did that for a few more years in conjunction with the start of the Enduros, because uh, they went away, they went away there for a while. Yeah, um, and then we went out, to the, you know, uh, the, the Lernerville thing for me, you know, being that far away, uh, it just started. I found them, you know, I, I was actually just got on the internet and looked for a close Enduro. And that's what took us to Lernerville. Um, and again, we've ended up doing very well down there. But it was kind of just, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of luck that that's what popped up first, and that's where we went racing. And, and in 2011, uh, 12, and 13, you know, we were able to pull off several wins down there and pick up a stampede win. So, you know, it, uh, you know, I guess it all happens for a reason, I suppose. I guess it's better to be lucky than good, huh? Sometimes, <laughs> most so, times. <laughs> you got a you got a van in the shop right now, and then there's a car sitting next to it. What's is there some sort of master plan for for Saturday? Uh, yeah, we are weather permitting. Um, <laughs> I'm for the second time. I'm going to try to do, uh, and the weather's not looking good for racing. Right. Uh, the Derby is a rain or shine event down at New Alexandria. Sure. Um, for fall brawl. But uh, the the van is going to be a guaranteed run, and the race car, we are once again prepping to go for another 
100 lap Enduro at Dog Hollow Speedway, uh, again, weather permitting. And uh, we're going to run, uh, I'm going to get in and do double duty on Saturday. We're going to go to the Fall Brawl and uh, run the Venom Van. And then uh, I'm going to take the race car with me. And when I'm done with that uh, run, then I'm going to head over to the Speedway and see what we can do in the Enduro race. Uh, again, weather and time permitting. Sure. Yeah, it's all, at least on the side of the demolition derby thing, as soon as you get on track, the harder you drive, theoretically, the sooner you could leave, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't look at it that way, but uh, yeah, that, that's very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, that's, I think that's cool, pulling that double duty. That's going to be, uh, it'd be neat to accomplish it. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we did it um, last season. Last season, we pulled it, we pulled it off as well. Um, we went to a demolition derby at Whiskey Grove in Somerset, PA. Okay. And then uh, after the derby, after the derby, I got in the, uh, you know, which, which uh, along with this, giving me the opportunity to do this, um, you know, and, and I want to make this, you know, emphasize this a big part of it is, you know, such the, uh, there's such a big amount of help that I get, um, you know, friends, family, and so on, uh, helping me to do this, you know, people, because obviously I can't, you know, tow two vehicles and things like that. So, uh, you know, I've had a lot of tremendous help with that. But um, we went down there, ran the demolition derby that day, uh, got in the truck, drove an hour from Somerset back to the Speedway at Dog Hollow, and um, the gentleman that was towing my car to the race, I actually beat him to the Speedway by five minutes. So <laughs> they were lining me in, they were lining in Doro race. Uh, I didn't have my score, which is my wife, Denise. Uh, I didn't have my score, nor did I have my car. Right. And they were lining the the vehicles up on the speedway right and um you know <laughs> we were able to uh get the car unloaded get attacked in a very uh you know speedy fashion and then uh tack on to the end of the field and went on to win that race on the 100 lap I, I passed the gentleman in the lead on the 99th lap and went on to take the checkered flag man what a day so it was a very very cool day <laughs> that's <laughs> that's outstanding <laughs> that's cool <laughs> Um, and uh, you know we're we're, we're kind of hoping that maybe history history will repeat itself this Saturday. That'd be all right, right? <laughs> I mean that's it's not a not a bad combination. I was going to ask you actually about W bodies. You know how popular they are with with demolition derbies, aluminos and stuff like that. You talked about the Grand Prix, but you sort of answered that with the with the the Mopar side of things. Um, have you ever gone so far as to convert one of the front wheel drive cars to rear wheel drive? Uh, no, no, no. I have not done that personally. No, I, I'm not anything like that. Uh, there's been lots of talk about it. Yeah. Um, you know, putting a uh, putting a small block Mopar in a uh, in a Dodge Daytona would pre- be pretty cool, but <laughs> that would <laughs> it be. hasn't happened yet. Yeah, that's a, it's, a, <laughs> it's it's not as bad as probably you would think either. Oh no, no, we yeah, enough time we can accomplish anything, so it's it's not off the table yet. <laughs> So I mean, I, I saw you post on social media today that you were shutting down the shop. What's what's the shot? That's Crynock Motorsports itself, or is that something uh, different? No, it's actually a no. I have a auto repair business. Uh, it's Crynock okay. Auto Repair, mm-hmm. um, and I, yes, I I do these vehicles at the at the same shop that I have my business in. Yeah, um, which is which has actually helped out quite a bit. So, uh, and, and yeah, the reason I had to post today about shutting the shop down. Um, is because I'm usually a 12 hour day guy. Right. And, um, you know, to, to keep this running, not only, you know, not only being a, a small business owner, but, you know, um, again, these cars do not pay for themselves. No. Um, <laughs> no. so, um, you know, we, we keep things going that way financially. 
but yeah, it, it, it's it's a very very uh, good business here. Do very well. Um, you know, big time support of the community, and we try to stay invested with the community. Um, you know, and I grew up here in Crescent. You know, so uh, you know this is also a dream of mine as well to be able to open a shop and on top of that be successful. So, uh, but the problem with that is, is um, you know, with with us uh, doing this today, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that it wasn't uh, you know too busy here that we couldn't get this done. So perfect. That's what that was all about. And you also got to make sure you don't accidentally let one of the derby cars slip into one of the the customer vehicles, right? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Believe it or not, one of our uh, another story from this season. Um, there was actually uh, a gentleman had stopped here, and he said, "I see that you run the demolition derbies." And uh, he dropped off a car, and uh, he gave me the vehicle, donated the vehicle to the motorsports program. Really? And uh, yep, we actually. And then on top of that, it, it was so cool. Um, we were still able to the, the event that we were going to run it in was was three months away, which was the Cambria County Fair uh, okay. here in September. And um, we ended up driving the car for, it was so nice, we ended up driving the car as a shock vehicle for the rest of the summer. Right. And then we took it to the four-cylinder compact division and won the division with it this year at the fair. Wow. <laughs> what, what kind of car was that? Yes. Uh, Oldsmobile Alero. Yeah. That's a, that's a, 2000 Oldsmobile Alero with a 2.4 four-cylinder. Yep. W body. That's the way to go. Yeah, yep. th- th- those are winners. That, um, you were talking about the community. Oh yeah, and it, go ahead. I'm sorry, and it was and it was pushing a pointy as well. Nice. So. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, that, that's reference to the bumper that was on the front of that. The, the pointed bumper is preferred to to get a little bit deeper into the wheel wells when you're trying to knock the front wheels off of those compact entries. Um, you're talking about the community and the influence and things along those lines. I, I, I imagine if you're that in deep into the community, you've got some community partners as well. Have you got any sponsors or anybody that you want to make mention of? Um, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, like I said, there's there's a lot of folks that help out, and um, you know, uh, my wife runs a business as well, and and she's uh, you know she's very much there for me all the time. Um, you know, Venom Athletics is a uh, program that she has, and uh, you know, again, um, it is a competitive cheerleading company, but uh, you know, she's she's those kids mean everything to her. Um, you know, she does a great job with that, and and that's also where the Venom van came from mm-hmm. because um, that that was donated. That was actually her daily driver minivan uh, <laughs> that we ended up taking to the county fair with, and we won the uh, we won the first ever Cambria County minivan derby with that as well. Right. Um, so that's what that was the story behind the minivan or the Venom van, excuse me. Um, and then there's you know another company, uh, Altoona Soft Water. Uh, they they've helped us out this season, and uh, they've also donated things. Uh, to my uh, wife's program with the athletics, um, we put on a miniature. Uh, we put on a Power Wheels demolition derby in the parking lot of a cheerleading company, and right. then uh, of my wife's cheerleading company, and then um, also had a, a small car show with our race cars and uh, the Venom van and derby vehicles. Uh, we put a small car show on as well. Nice. Um, and I got to thank uh, got to thank Big Dog Graphics. Um, he's the one. I'm sure you've seen the. Uh, the double zeros sticking mm-hmm. out on the side of that Enduro car. That yep. was done by, by that company. And, um, you know, there's another small garage here, good friend of mine, uh, McCluskey Tire and Muffler. Um, he helps out. And um, there's uh, Vin Glass Brothers Towing, uh, who was right up the street with them. And, uh, and Joel and his family uh, have been with me over this entire, my entire career. Um, and like I said, you know, like getting these cars, uh, you know, to and from the events, those guys help out tremendously. And, uh, you know, they've helped me out with vehicles, parts and such. 
Um, you know, and there's, there's another local family, the Williams Family Derby. Um, they're local here in Preston. You know, they, these, uh, the uh, patriarch of that family, uh, Mr. Charlie Williams, you know, he's done it even longer than me, and he was kind of my mentor growing up in the derby world. So uh, I'd like to thank all those folks and, and appreciate everything they've done. Uh, so one of the final questions I've got for you is, has Richard Petty ever seen any of your cars? Uh, I tell you what, years ago, <laughs> yeah, uh, years ago, he ha- he has the Richard Petty. Uh, he has that fan club. Yeah, he does down in, and I believe it's still in Level Cross. Yeah, and um, and we we sent uh, not only the pictures of uh, the forty three cars that we did, but when my dad converted to the forty five, we would run the same paint scheme, red, white, and blue, mm-hmm. forty three and forty five. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, we sent pictures to that fan club. And they said that they make their way into, uh, like, a little hallway they have down there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping to make it down there one day to, to check that place out. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe even a meet and greet with Richard, if possible. But, sure. <laughs> uh, you know, with Mr. Petty. But uh, um, I, I, I've never I've never got any response that he picked ours out personally. Um, you know, I know that's, a, you know, it's a, like you said in the beginning, a very iconic scheme. Mm-hmm. And it's not uncommon to go to a speedway and see, a, you know, red, white, and blue 43 running around there. So, uh, maybe one day, right. and like I said, uh, you know, if, if Mr. Petty hears that, you know, uh, we're certainly uh, interested in meeting the king himself. So, <laughs> yeah, the, the scheme that's on that was was the one that sort of went, uh, man, ballpark in here, like '84 up to when he retired '92. The scheme didn't change a whole lot. They just had some some dark blue pinstriping up and below the white stripe on the side, in contrast with the lighter blue and the red. Um, and that came on and off at different intervals, and then sometimes the red swooped up the diagonally up the quarter panel towards the fuel fill hole. But other than that, it, it stayed pretty much the same. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Like I said, uh, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really get any bigger than the petties, in, in my opinion. So, um, and not only that, you know, not only that, obviously they're a you know class act uh, operation, and uh, you know, one of the cool just quick thing that I, I remember hearing about the petties is. Uh, Cal Petty told the story that uh, when uh, when his mother Linda uh, and, and himself would be sitting in the station wagon after a race, that uh, Richard Petty would stand, and if uh, you know there was a line that was a half mile long, uh, Richard Petty would stand there and sign every autograph that somebody wanted. Right. Um, and I just thought, I thought, man, you know, if there's anybody you're going to idolize, it doesn't get any cooler than that. So sure. uh, that was just one thing that always stuck out with me. Yep. Yep, definitely. You ever run any of the the seventy schemes on the cars, or was that pretty much the ones you've gone with? Uh, the the forty three was uh, the forty three was the bulk of it for most of my career. Um, actually, we we ran it so much on everything, both the racing and the derbies, that uh, you know I've actually been told several times to kind of change the station. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, like I said, I was I was just so uh, enamored with all of it. That uh, you know that that's all that that's all that there was for me back then. But uh, no, pretty much just uh, you know not really any kind of throwback stuff or anything of that nature. Just you know, like I said, the, the petty thing as, as you've seen in the pictures. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think no matter what paint scheme you put on the car, if you put it in victory lane as much as you have, they're going to get sick of seeing that. Uh, true, true, <laughs> true. And, uh, it, and and another thing that I also took from that, they always asked. Uh, they always asked uh, Richard Petty why he never put his name on the car, and uh, he always told them, he says, if you're good enough, people will know. That's right. <laughs> so, That's right. Uh, you know, like I said, just, just a class act operation, and, uh, you know, very easy to idolize those kind of people. 
for sure. Well, man, uh, is there anything else that we missed? Anything? Any of the bridges that we didn't cross? I would like to just, uh, you know, mention something. Um, sure. Actually, the, the gentleman sitting here right beside me, but uh, a friend of mine, uh, we call him Twig, his name is Sean Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been pretty much uh, invaluable in this whole operation. I mean, uh, he's with me day in, day out. As a matter of fact, when we hang up tonight, we're going to work on some more cars and get <laughs> things prepped. Uh, but he's, he's actually here this evening. But, um, you know, I just wanted to, you know, to, to uh, give him a shout out and, uh, you know, appreciate everything that he does for us. Awesome. Well, I, it's, it's always good to have more hands than you need. And sometimes the hands that you need are, are the ones that are there all the time. You know, it's, uh, it's good to have guys like that in the shop. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I so like I said, there's, there's been many, many along the way. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's a, there, there's been over, you know, I mean, you can imagine over 27 years, um, you know, uh, you know, you accumulate a stack of memories with folks. Um, you know, and, and, and truth be told, that's, that's been my favorite part of the whole racing deal. You know, I was getting to meet the people, the places it's taken me. Um, you know, here again, you know, if I had, maybe if I had retired last year, you and I might even not even be speaking right now. So, know. Um, is... <laughs> you know, I appreciate this, this awesome, this awesome opportunity and, uh, you know, meeting you as well. Sure, man. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll cross paths again at, at some point, I'm sure, especially given that, that you're at uh, new Alex as often as you are. We'll, We'll uh we'll cross paths again for sure next year too when you get closer to being able to announce it or uh, after you pick up your first couple of wins next year check back in and let me know how everything's going because we can't talk about it yet but eventually it's going to come out. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, yeah, the biggest thing is I just I just want to make sure we got the, everything in order you know before we announce which uh which way we're going. So, I understand. Uh, but uh, one one personal achievement that I, I have not accomplished is. Uh, I am uh, I am not a track champion. That is the one the one trophy that I have not achieved in all this career yet. Um, I have just as many seconds as uh, as Mark Martin. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, but uh, I, I've been the, I've been the bridesmaid a, a lot of times, uh, and that's no disrespect to Mark. Obviously, he's an you know, amazing racer, an amazing guy. But um, yeah, we, we have a, we have a ton of seconds, but uh, you know, never was able to bring home the big trophy. So. Um, I'm not sure I'm quite ready now to give that up until maybe we accomplish that, and uh, that might be the direction that we're heading. Well, I wish you the best. Uh, it'd be great. It'd be great to, to hear that uh, the 2019 season culminated with the track championship. Uh, and and we're, we're hoping that's the direction we're able to go, and, uh, and I appreciate that. Awesome. Well, uh, for sure, I appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, um this was a pretty productive 45 minutes. I, I really enjoyed the conversation and, and look forward to catching up with you again. Okay. And, and again, thank you for having me. And, uh, you, you know, I appreciate what you did for us here and, uh, we'll certainly be in touch. Anytime. Look them up, Facebook, uh, Chronic Motorsports and spelling was right there on the screen. You can find it real easy. Chronic Motorsports on Facebook. Uh, check them out. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Paul, we'll catch up with you soon. Okay. Thank you for having me. You bet. Take care now. There goes Paul Krynock. Appreciate him coming on the show and hanging out with us for a little while. Locally, lots of stuff that's been going on. Tons and tons of racing because we haven't been on here for a couple weeks. We got out of the way a little bit, tried to open up the door some for Final Round Drag Racing Podcast. They were coming up on their two-year anniversary last week. And if the schedule fell right, they would be on uh, in line with episode number 50 on the two-year anniversary, which means it is a show that goes every other week. They've only missed two episodes in, in two years, which is cool. So congratulations to uh, 
Um, Jason Oldfield and the crew from Final Round. They'll be back on again next week. Dirt Car racing this weekend is the World Short Track Championships at Charlotte. The heats are tomorrow. 30-lap feature for uh, the Northeast Sportsmen, which are on the schedule. A bunch of different divisions racing down there. Dave Marconcelli won the thing last year. Kevin Rue won the Sportsman Championship after the uh, Northeast season concluded up in Brockville. So that was cool. Um, as we said earlier, uh, Jocelyn Wah won the Pro Stock Championship overall. Uh, also in conjunction with the racing at Brockville, this is going back a ways, Matt Williamson took the, the feature at that um, Northeast Dirt Car Finals. He won the 358 race and... Um, Larry White ended up the champion in the 358 division. Peter Britton won the 358 race up at Super Dirt Week in Oswego. Uh, staying on that topic, the Dirt Car World Finals are going to be November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd up in Brockville a couple weeks back. Eric Rudolph came away with a win in that one. Larry White won Super Dirt Week's uh, modified 200 lapper at Mohawk and Fonda. Tim Fuller took the wins there. Looking at the points going into the World Finals, Matt Shepard has four wins, and he's 40 points up on Rudolph. Rudolph has two wins. Danny Johnson's third. He's 198 points back. So it looks like it's a two-horse race right there, and it's a very manageable 40 points. So Matt Shepard's got to be on point. But at the same time, Matt Shepard is always on point. He has no problem winning races, and we'll have to keep an eye on that as it progresses here, November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. The World Outlaw Sprint Cars and the Late Models are also going to finish their schedule on that weekend the sprint car side of things donnie shots and with 63 races started he has 20 wins and he's 278 points up on brad sweet brad sweet has nine wins david gravel's third 546 points behind he's got five wins late model side of things is much much tighter mike marlar 38 starts this year five wins chris madden has 22 points to gain on him which is over the course of two days is very doable eight wins for chris madden brandon shepherd has 12 wins he's leading the league in wins, but in, and he's only 40 points point uh, behind Devin Moran, 18, excuse me, two wins, 198 points back for him. And uh, as we noted, Tim McCready won the dream out there at Eldora Speedway, so that was cool. Stuart Friesen, he picked up the win at Eastern States weekend in the modified side of things. He pitted on lap 33 out of 200 and then went on and, and just rolled. He ended up taking the lead late in the going. Uh, I think there was about 40 laps to go when he made his final lead change, and, and he checked out. And that was that was that. And Brett Hearn won on weight, which was a little bit a little bit interesting for for him. He won it on the that that weight catch uh, where Stu Friesen was too light. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit deeper here in a minute. Dutch Hogue Memorial Weekend that, that had some issues relating to weather here a couple weeks ago. Um, couldn't get the whole show in. The rest of that has been moved to the 10th of November. So all that second day of the program has been nixed. Uh, Lucas Wolf won the 360 sprint feature on Friday night. Sean Donath, he led the field early, and then Justin Berger uh, took the lead from there, and then Wolf caught him in slower traffic and checked out. That was that. Uh, Berger, Jared Zimbardi, Chuck Heaving, Sean Donath at the line in the top five. Will Shields almost got a win in the sportsman class. What a battle he had with Stacey Jackson. Stacey Jackson ended up taking the win of it by about a car length on the last lap. Will Shields was... Uh, second place, Dave Marcacelli, third, Carl Comfort, and Zach Sabotka, filling in the top five. Uh, Richard Michael won the IMCA race in a runaway, one from the pole. Um, Rodney Morgan and Mark Griffin filling in the top three. Keith Jack Lanfear and Mike Stoddard filled up the top five. Adam Austin, what a four-cylinder race this was. It was a 30-lap main for the four-cylinders. Adam Austin had to hold out Ron Darling, then Ray Heyer. Heyer actually got in front and led for a while. Cole Susie came up to challenge him next, and... Uh, Ultimately, Adam Austin got the win over Susie uh, Darling and, uh, excuse me, uh, 
Higher held second over Susie Darling and Scott Lehman. Jamie uh, Eldridge held a thin lead over Aaron Milder and Jared Dennis in the hobby stock main, but it was Frank Burnell who was able to slip by everybody and take the lead at the end, and he and, uh, secured it. He took the checker. Mike, Mark Manudolo was second, Greg Young third, along with uh, um, Sean Lloyd and Jamie Eldridge in the top five. Tyler Seary held off Eric Rudolph to win the 15-lap modified dash. It was about 30 cars entried. And those two are going to start on the front row for the 70-lap feature when they do the rescheduled race on November the 10th. Jared Hill won the first uh, street stock 15-lap dash, and then um, Dylan Cece dominated the second. You can find more information online at uh, outlawspeedwayllc.com. Fulton and Brewerton Speedways finalized their plans for 2019. Brewerton is going to host the Dirt Car Modifieds for the Dirt Car 358s allowed at the 2,400-pound minimum. Dirt Car Sportsman Mod Lights and four-cylinders are going to be on the support card. And then at Fulton, the Dirt Car Sportsmen are going to be running along with the Dirt Car 358s, late models, and the Novice Sportsman also coming back. For more information, you can jump online at FultonSpeedway.com. Point Fund Money is going to be given away again, just like they do every year, at FRH Hideaway in February uh, we talked about uh, Stu Friesen. He got past Danny Johnson on lap 54 uh, with 54 laps to go to secure that win. Jimmy Feltz, Tim Fuller, Matt Williamson was uh, was behind Danny Johnson at the checkers at Eastern States. Matt Shepard pitted on lap 129 and got up to seventh. And where did it go? There it is. Uh, Brett Hearn, he's 60 now, 305 career wins in Orange County Fair Speedway. Pretty good Uh Tough break for um, Stu Friesen coming up late on that one. And it was Hearn getting by Anthony Perego on uh, lap 40. But he couldn't do anything with Friesen, and then ultimately Friesen came up late. Mike Goulart got by Jerry Higby on the 10th lap of the 50-lap Short Track Super Series finale, and that was worth 10000 to win. Lucas Wolf won the 25-lap 360 main Empire Super Sprints. are going to have their, anniversary, their 35th anniversary banquet at Vernon Downs Hotel. On December the 1st, rules meeting are going to be at 10 a.m. You can find more details online, www.empiresupersprints.com. And then Utica Rome is going to try to race one more time this weekend on the 27th. That's going to be the Monster Mash. The card includes the Crate Sports from the Pro Stocks, Monster Truck Freestyle, and Rides, plus a kid's tr- trick-or-treat. Admission's 25 bucks. There's a general admission meet-and-greet from 1230 to 130. With racing set to begin at 2. More information, jump online, uticaromespeedway.com. Well, just like that. We have covered an hour, which is a pretty good night overall. appreciate everybody tuning in and hanging out with us for a little while. It's going to wrap us up here. We're going to be back again in two weeks, hoping to talk a little bit more about racing as we get closer and closer to, um, well, by that time, in two weeks, we're going to know who's the champion of the Super Dirt Car Series, which is what we've been watching all summer long. We appreciate all the folks that tuned in and hung out with us here. And big thank you to Paul Krynock for coming on and hanging out with us. That's going to do it for us here tonight. We'll see everybody next time.